If you're looking for a place where the wide-open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. And to begin this episode, I'm going to ask you to reach back into the depths of your memory. So close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. Now, do you remember that time when things were freer, more possible, when you could go wherever the wind took you, never having to look at a clock, never checking your phone? Do you remember the summertime? And I don't mean a specific summertime. Don't be like, yeah, I always have to check my phone. I mean the platonic ideal of summertime. Today, we're listening to some people who are telling us about their summertime travel memories. Stories from three of our listeners whose summertime travels brought them someplace incredible, someplace totally unexpected. And our first voicemail comes from Michelle in Colorado. Hi, my name is Michelle Chabon, and I am traveling back home right now in my 31-foot motorhome to Broomfield, Colorado. And when I was a girl growing up in Grosse Point, Michigan, which is right outside Detroit, what we did every summer was we traveled up north. Up north could mean anything from an hour north of Detroit all the way up to the tippy top of the Upper Peninsula. One of my favorite experiences growing up, my aunt Ellen Uncle Bernie would take me to this dinosaur kind of museum thingy. I don't even know what you would call it. It was like in the middle of the forest, but it was this place where you could walk into dinosaurs and climb on dinosaurs, and they were all life-size, and that was just amazing as a kid. Another place that we went up north with my parents was called Antlers, and that was this restaurant that had, like, every type of dead animal on the face of the earth, I swear to God. And it made noise. And I don't remember what noise it makes. I just remember, like, honks and bells and toots and whistles and all this other stuff. But it's probably what contributed to me being a vegetarian of 28 years this month. (laughs) We also used to go to the open pit garbage dump. And we would go there every night at about 5 o'clock. And we would watch the mama bears 
teaching their little baby bears to hunt in the dump for dinner. Oh, my gosh. There were just more amazing things in northern Michigan than I could even count. <laughs> uh, so that that was from uh, Michelle. And there are so many things happening in this voicemail. There are so many good, different travel memories. And, and I just... I relate really strongly to, you know, Michelle's talking about the travels she took mostly as a kid. And I just relate to how strongly those memories sear into your mind and how they kind of never leave you. I mean, you know, clearly that taxidermy restaurant made an impact. She's been a vegetarian for 28 years. Uh, and like that idea of of going to a garbage dump as part of your summer travel to watch bears teach their their cubs how to hunt. And same with the, with the dinosaurs. I can imagine going down that wooded path and and looking up at at dinosaurs in the forest and just feeling like oh my god these are these are real this is what this is what it would be like and anytime something is enormous i think as a kid it takes on this extra special kind of magical quality to it uh i i remember i i the world's largest uh fish in Hayward, Wisconsin is always a thing that i i love to see love to see it to this day so yeah, I just, I really, I really relate to all of that. And I actually, I wanted to know a little bit more about the dinosaur park. So I looked into it a little bit, and it's called Dinosaur Gardens. And it's in Ossanik, Michigan. And it started in the 1930s as a passion project of of one guy named Paul Domke. I, I might be saying that wrong. But Paul and his wife, Laura, uh, they lived in Detroit, where Paul worked as a church decorator but basically, after the Great Depression hit, that work dried up. And so they moved back to their native northeast Michigan, bought 40 acres of swampland, opened a gas station, some rental cottages. And then Paul started pursuing his creative passion, which was uh, paleontology, drawing and building replicas of, of dinosaurs and prehistoric animals. So basically, Paul chose this land in Michigan because he thought it looked like a place where dinosaurs would actually live. So, Michelle, I think your childhood memory is really exactly what what the creator would have wanted you to experience. And yes, you can actually climb a staircase and enter some of the dinosaurs. What a good selection of, of summer travel memories. Our second story of, of summer travel comes from our listener, Sarah, based in Alabama. Hi, my name is Sarah Yurka, and I am from Mobile, Alabama. My grandparents were from Quitman, Mississippi, and we would go to Quitman several times a year uh, for family get-togethers or whatever. Every time we would go as children, my grandfather would make sure we stopped by Shabuda, Mississippi, to get water from their well. He claimed that it was the fountain of youth, longevity, and we would stop every single time. I go back today, and I will stop by there, and I will get a little jug of water, and I will take it home. I don't know that any of us have lived really long lives, but this <laughs> is something that the locals and people from Mississippi stop by and do if they are traveling from pretty much the coast of Alabama through Mississippi. If you're going up to Jackson, Mississippi, they will stop by and do this water. So 
This is one of these places where it's really well known to locals, but everyone who's sort of passing through is completely oblivious. And it's one of these sort of special kind of local folklore spots. Uh, And, you know, you drive down some of the side roads where I am and you see people filling up their jugs from a little uh, a little fountain, you know, a little coming out of the side of, of the mountain. I think, you know, I, I, I it's always good to double check and make sure you know where that water is really coming from. I think it's always like worthwhile to, 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 uh, to do a little fact checking if you're going to fill up your jugs. But uh, I, I really empathize with the idea or just connect with the idea that there are these places where you always go out of your way. To connect back to the first listener voicemail, I'm a sucker for big things. And so, you know, if I know that there's going to be some giant ketchup bottle or the world's largest muskie, just like, oh, it's an extra, you know, half an hour, 45 out of the way. No big deal. Uh, I will I will definitely get off the highway and go there. You know, next time I'm in uh, I'm in Mississippi, I will go look for that uh, Shibuta Fountain of Youth. It's uh, it's definitely interesting. I I did a little digging because I was curious about it, and it, it apparently the water that comes out of this well is red. And and back in the day, some uh, local mischief makers would actually take the water, bottle it, and sell it as whiskey to people passing through the area. And I was kind of like, at first I was like, oh, those people must have been so disappointed. But then I was like, but they also got uh, some of the fountain of youth. So it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe they made out pretty well. Also, isn't whiskey kind of its own fountain of youth? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? No? All right. Anyway, uh, so uh, on to the next story. Uh, Our last voicemail uh, comes from two people who set out to find another kind of food and drink item, not not whiskey, but a very particular kind of cheese. And they ended up finding uh, a lot more than that. So take it away, Tom and Patty. Patty and I would like to share a story with you that was inspired by an Atlas Obscura article that came across on the daily news feed. It happened on a trip we took to Bulgaria. Before we went, I consulted my ever-growing Google map of things to see someday and noted that, if possible, we wanted to visit a place called Chernovit. This little town in the Srednagora Mountains has, for generations, been a sheep herding center. It's also the home of a unique green cheese. Shepherds make the cheese in the spring and put it in a local cave to age. It ripens all summer while the sheep and their keepers are in the high mountain pastures. When cold weather returns, so do the sheep, and the cheese is brought out for winter eating. According to our sources, the cheese could be sampled in the local hotel dining room. We arrived in Chernovit on a Sunday morning and soon discovered that the hotel, along with most of the other local businesses, was permanently closed. As we took one last run through town, we noticed a group of old men sitting at an umbrella table on the sidewalk. Now in Bulgaria, an umbrella table means a cafe or restaurant or coffee shop, so we pulled off the road for one last try. Using Google Translate and my very few words of Bulgarian, I inquired about the cheese. The woman at the counter directed me to a cooler, offering two pieces of feta and something that looked like sliced Velveeta. Meanwhile, I had gone to the car to get something and was stopped on the street by a young man who asked in English if I needed some help. My mother called, he offered, and said you were looking for something. Inside, he told us there was not a lot on the menu. My mother's special soup, beans, and meatballs. 
I asked about the soup. Oh, it's delicious. It's made with milk and rubbing his stomach while he thought for a minute. Guts. While the dinner was being prepared, I explained that we were looking for green cheese. Looking downcast, he said he had no idea where to find it. Then he brightened. Wait, though, let me ask. Out he went to the table of men and returned shortly with the news that after lunch, he could take us to someone who made the cheese. We piled into the car and drove a kilometer down the road where the cheesemaker's wife invited us into her orchard of a yard and brought out a tray of cheese of various ages insisting that we sample each and plying us with her homemade fruit liquor. It was an altogether satisfactory ending to a foray that at first looked doomed to failure. The moral of the story? Sometimes it takes a little bit of time for things to come together out here off the beaten path. <laughs> I really love that story. Sometimes, you know, you you set out to find something and it's all of the things you you find on the way and you never actually find the thing you were looking for. Like that is a really I find that to be a really good travel experience. Uh, that was a great story, Tom and Patty. I'm so glad you found uh, both a little bit of the cheese you were looking for, but but also actually just all of that experience. Thank you to Michelle and Sarah as well. I loved all of your voicemails and your summer memories of travel. It is, it is a place I like to spend time in, that platonic summer moment. Uh, remember, our lines are always open. You know, climbable dinosaurs, fountains of youth, green cheese, whatever it is, we want to hear all about the wonders in your backyard, about a magical place that you traveled to or a memorable person that you met while you were traveling. So to let us know, record a voice memo and send it to us at hello at atlasobscura.com. Or uh, you can call and leave a message at 315-992-7902. I cannot wait to hear from all of you. Please uh, send us your summer travel memories or just any other interesting travel stories you want to share. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Katie Thornton. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Chimenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, Camille Mojica, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. And I'm Dylan Thuris. Wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will talk to you soon. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. 
for more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan.